Luke chapter 7, Jesus is doing what he loves to do. And he's a storyteller and he's the greatest storyteller. And you'll never get bored of the stories that Jesus brings to the table. And he introduces into this story a man called Simon, who's a, Jew, a Jewish religious leader. And this man, Simon, asked Jesus to come home for dinner. And he says, hey, would you come over to my house for dinner? And Jesus accepts the invitation. How cool is that? Jesus is coming to dinner. I mean, in Mexico, it happens all the time, but in Germany, not often. Jesus accepts the invitation. And when he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. And in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster. She filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader. I can never prove this, but if you listen to the tension of the story, my gut feeling is that she'd been in this home before. Doing what? Who knows? But if you read the tension of the story, I honestly believe this lady had been in this home before. And so she goes straight into the home when she hears that Jesus is there. She kneels down at his feet in front of all the guests, broken and weeping, broken and weeping. She covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed the feet of Jesus. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship, sacrifice. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought to himself, this man cannot be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him? Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. Oh, go ahead, teacher. I'd love to hear it. He answered. So Jesus begins an incredible story. It's a story about two people who were deeply in debt. One owned the bank a large amount of debt and the other only owed a small amount. When it was obvious that neither of them when it was obvious that neither of them, when it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, Jesus said, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful. Which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. That's right, Jesus said. And he began to speak to Simon about the woman who was still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. 
When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet, dishonor. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with the many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting, dishonor. But from this moment, from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And you didn't even take time to anoint my head with a fragrant oil, dishonor. But she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have little to be forgiven will love me little. I mean, if there's a story that's going to mess you up, this is a story. When it became obvious that neither of them were able to pay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off their debts and forgave them of all that they owe. Simon realized he was in the story. Not really sure if the woman that was crying and washing the feet of Jesus stopped to consider if she was in the story. I think she was so lost in the worship, so lost in her sacrifice, so lost in her extravagant. What would cause a woman with all her brokenness and all her messiness and all her complications to walk straight into the home of a religious leader that literally had the law on him side to literally stone her to death. I wonder if we would be tempted to be the Simons of this story. Quick to judge others. Have high standards for everyone, but not that high standards for ourselves have impossible rules for everybody else, but willing to bend the rules for ourselves. I think what this touches in our modern 21st century is that we all have the temptation to be Simons. Legalistic, religious, thinking that the ah, good deeds are gonna get us brownie points with God. I wonder how many of us will be open to say, well, I don't identify myself as Simon. I identify myself with the, the other person, the other person. Broken, weeping. In other words, you know that you're sinful. You know that you've got things going on and you've done things that you want no one to know about. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, what's the story saying? He says that neither of them come down. Slow amount, small amount, large amount. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of sacrifice. I want to bring it back into the narrative because as a generation, we have no concept of what sacrifice looks like. The word sacrifice is almost like an ancient word. It's a weird word. It doesn't kind of fit in our 21st century culture. And I'd love to bring it back tonight because I feel 
it's something that God wants to put on the table for this generation. And let me give you a perspective about the power of a sacrifice. Ephesians chapter five says this, like children, like children who imitate their parents. Let us imitate God also in everything we do. Because we are His dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Because of His extravagant love, He offered Himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. See, this woman in this story, she took an expensive jar made of alabaster. She filled it with the finest expensive perfume. And she brought it as an offering. See, we've got to get our head around what does sacrifice mean? It means to give something of value for a greater good. To give something of value for a greater good. The Hebrew word for sacrifice literally means to come closer. To come closer. We think of sacrifice as a negative thing. We think it is a loss. We think it's something we've taken from us. We feel like a sacrifice is a step backwards, not a step forward. But if you come into the kingdom of God, if you come into the revelation of heaven, if you come into the way and the narrative of God and the kingdom of God, you'll begin to see there is a power in a sacrifice that can change anything and can change anyone and can change all of the things that are working against the promise of God. Is there a sacrifice? But the Hebrew word means Sacrifice means to come closer, to draw near. The purpose of sacrifice is to gain intimacy, to gain intimacy with God by bringing Him a cherished gift. If you want to understand the power of sacrifice, look no further than Jesus. Jesus was our sacrifice. He was sacrificed so that we could come closer to God. That's what the Hebrew word for sacrifice means. It means to draw near, to come closer, to gain intimacy. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. What does that mean? It means you and I can come near, we can draw closer, and we can gain intimacy because of His sacrifice. This is not about your sacrifice. This is about the greatest sacrifice. And once you realize that there's a power in His sacrifice, it will create something in you to understand the revelation of what a sacrifice can do for this generation. We need to bring back the revelation of the power of a sacrifice. Let me read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. It says, a living sacrifice for there, for here, for here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, all of you, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering, a living sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. First Peter chapter 2. Verses four to five, you are to serve God in this house 
as holy priests, offering him spiritual sacrifices that he will accept because of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 to 17. So we are no longer, we no longer need to offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices like in the Old Testament for our shortcomings and failures. But because of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, we can offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs that we offer from our lips that celebrate His name. We will show mercy to people who lack power and take every opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that lights the heart of God. So if there is a sacrifice, these are the sacrifices you and I are. We don't bring goats and bulls. We don't bring lambs and little sheepies. We bring a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not sure. It's raining. I didn't get paid. I didn't get a Christmas bonus. The internet's not working, but I'm going to praise Him anyway. Because of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, we can offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. So what does this tell us? There are still sacrifices that you and I need to bring, but they're not what the Old Testament revealed. It's what the New Testament has revealed. And that is a, a sacrifice of praise. And what does a sacrifice of praise do? It brings you closer. What is the word here for us to understand? What does sacrifice mean? To draw closer, to come closer, to gain intimacy. So what is the New Testament saints called to do? What is it that we're called to do? A holy priest in the house of God is that we are to draw closer. How do you draw closer? Our praise, our praise, our praise. Oh, can we get the church praising? Can we get the church singing? Can we get the people of faith praising God once again? Is there any praise in you? Is there any praise in these lungs? If you can stop the praise, you can stop everything. If you can stop the praise, you can stop the intimacy. If you can stop the praise, you can stop the drawing near. Oh, the enemy would love that the church just stopped its praise. Why? Because if there's no praise, there's no intimacy. If there's no praise, there's no drawing close. If there's no praise, then there's no coming near to all that he is. And these are the sacrifices that God is pleased with. God is pleased when we begin to praise. God's not egotistical. It's not egotistical to shout his praise. It's life defining. It's life transforming. Why? Because what we're doing is, is we're using the very breath that he gave us to declare his majesty, his wonder, his goodness. But what praise do we bring? A praise of thanksgiving. I told you this morning, one of the most consistent prayers that I pray is thanksgiving. Sometimes when I don't know what to pray, I'm just like, well, God, I'm just going to thank you. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're amazing. Thank you for your love. I, I, I don't think there's ever a day where I don't thank God for my family, for, for the church I get to be a part of. But I just want you to know you've got to keep it real. And, 
There is a sacrifice that God accepts. There's something that delights his heart. A praising church, a praising people will delight his heart every time. Amen, amen, amen. People who show mercy to people who lack power. The Bible word for Paul literally means people who lack power. We should be absolutely God's advocates or God's uh, fragrance in the earth when it comes to helping people who lack power. Uh, people who need kindness, uh, every opportunity, acts of kindness towards others. These are the true sacrifices that pleases God. So don't let the, the uh, kindness dignifies thing for us to just to kind of go by the way. Let's all be involved because these are the sacrifices that bring honor to God. What do they do? They bring it closer to God. They draw us into more intimacy, not less. You'll never become less intimate with God by showing kindness. Kindness opens the doors. Kindness brings you closer to God, not away from Him. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, it is possible to give away sacrifice and to see increase. It is also possible to withhold and lose everything. Yes, the generous person shall be prosperous by watering others. He waters himself. And so I want you to understand that there is so much in this for us. And I really want you to understand that we've talked about honor last week, honor, baby, honor. And today we're talking about the power of a sacrifice. But I don't want you to see it in a negative way. I want you to go to the Word of God for yourself. And we're trying to put it in place so all of these verses are available for you. You can get them somehow in a PDF or a document, basically for your week. And don't read it because I say it, but read it for yourself and just cultivate it in your own heart. And there is a sacrifice that God wants from us. And when it comes to our sinfulness and when it comes to our failures and our shortcomings, that sacrifice of Jesus is a perfect sacrifice. In other words, you can't go to God with all your shortcomings because He ain't listening. He's only paying attention to the aroma of Jesus. And if you want to really understand all of this, read the whole chapter of Hebrews, all of the chapters of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, because Hebrews is about Jesus, the high priest. And He is interceding on every person's behalf. What does Jesus do for a full-time job? He's a full-time intercessor. He's a full-time high priest. When you're sleeping, he's praying. When you're laughing, he's praying. When you're crying, he's praying. When you don't have a job, he's praying. When you got a great job, he's praying. When you're grumpy, he, he's praying. Isn't that awesome that you have someone on your side all the time? In your good days, in your bad days, in your not so cool days, in your <laughs> days. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Can we bring a sacrifice of praise? Can we bring a spirit of thanksgiving? Can we fill the atmosphere in the middle of Europe, in the middle of Berlin, when it doesn't look like it's popular or it's modern or it's hipster, but bring back a sacrifice of praise?